0: Okay. okay. Thank you very much as we uh, now come to God's Word uh, a very important part of our service as I just said as we uh, thank God for His goodness and also see His Word uh, work in our lives for His glory and our good Uh, We've started a sermon series, uh, Colossians. We started that last week and now into our second week here of Colossians. We'll be here for the next um, maybe 13 weeks or so. And uh, really looking forward to some good things uh, taking place for us in that. As we think about Colossians today and as we think about the opening of this letter, let me ask uh, these few questions to get our minds thinking in the right direction. How would you pray for your unsaved friends during these uncertain times that we're living in currently? Would you primarily pray that God would keep them secure in a job and that all would go well for them? What about your saved brother or sister in Christ? How would you pray for them for the current challenges that we are in at the moment? Again, would your primary prayer be for your saved brother or sister in Christ, that God would give them job safety, that God would keep them healthy and God would keep them safe? Would that be your primary prayer? How do we pray and what are the outcomes we're looking for when we pray for others? Really important questions, I believe, today. And particularly here, we're going to see Paul lead us into prayer as he prays for the Colossians here at the start of this letter. So if you've got your Bibles, please uh, go to Colossians chapter 1, and then you'll see us there in uh, verses 3 and 14. So join with me now as I read. Uh, start reading from verse 3. As it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let me pray. Father, we are so glad and thankful today. Lord, so privileged today that we can come and open up your word. So I ask and pray now, Lord, please, let your spirit come. Let us see good things here that will impact us, that will change us, that will help us, Lord, to pray like Paul prays for these Colossians here in this opening passage. We ask now, Holy Spirit, for your help. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Okay, you uh, have found today, uh, as we read that passage... Uh, Paul there is in a long note of prayer and thanksgiving in this part of uh, chapter 1. And amongst this opening here where we see Paul praying for the Colossians, what Paul picks up here is a foundation of the gospel that brings about this thanksgiving in Paul's life as he prays for the Colossians. Again, we need to remember where Paul is. Paul is in a Roman prison, not a happy place or a great place to be. But Epaphras has brought news to Paul while he's in prison here of the church in Colossae. Uh, it's a town that Paul's never been to, but it's a town now that he hears that the gospel is doing good things through the servant um, Epaphras in Colossae. And when Paul hears that, it's like music to his ears. It's like music to his ears as he just rests in that Roman prison cell when he hears the gospel's doing good things, despite being in prison. When Paul hears of this gospel growth, he now begins to be filled with thanksgiving and and love for these people in Colossae and love and thankfulness also uh, for God and the gospel and what he's doing in the Colossian church. And and what we learn here today is a God-honouring way to pray as we see what Paul is doing and responding here uh, to Epaphras' really good news. So again, as we think about that, I ask that question, how do you pray for your family and friends? What is the primary thing you're praying for with those whom you love and you care for and those whom you know really well. What is the primary thing that you're praying for when you pray for them? Okay, let's jump into it. Here's the foundational cause, as it were, of Paul's praying and thanksgiving. As Epaphras has got news to Paul about Colossae and what's happening in the church there with the Colossians, Paul understands that this is the fruit of of the gospel, it's a product of what the gospel is doing here in the life of the Colossians have a look in verses 13 and 14 with me as Paul is telling us here what's happening, verse 13 says this he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, that's a powerful verse here which really just picks up the gospel and this is precisely what Jesus has done through the gospel he set us free From under the dominion of sin and Satan, from the domain of darkness, He's delivered us by the word of truth and He's brought us to where? Into the joy and freedom of His kingdom, of Jesus' kingdom. Now, this will be really important, particularly later in the book for the Colossians as they read this, because they're being misled by others at the moment by giving them false teaching and telling them they need to add other things to their life to really find true salvation and true freedom. Paul's going to say, no, it's all in Christ, because Jesus is more than enough for our salvation. So Paul reminds again, the Colossians here, the centrality of Christ the centralness of who Jesus is. This is where you find your forgiveness. This is where you find your redemption. Uh, look again in these early verses as Paul reflects on it again in verses 5 and 6. He says this, maybe halfway through 5. Of this you've heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood The grace of God in truth. Here's what Paul is saying: this is God's plan and purpose. It's always been God's plan and purpose. The gospel is the good news of salvation. It's the word of truth, Paul says, that's come to you through Epaphras and it's bearing fruit. Not only in Colossae, where people are being saved and people are being transformed, but this is gospel is also bearing fruit all over the world. Wherever it is preached. Wherever it is proclaimed, people are being saved. The Spirit is working in people's hearts, opening up their blind eyes to see a glorious Christ. The gospel is bearing fruit. Many people are being saved, Paul is saying, everywhere. God is fulfilling His plans and purposes that He outlaid in the Old Testament that we now see outworked, as it were, through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gospel that is now being fulfilled. Paul is basing his thankfulness off the gospel and what it's doing in the Colossian church there. Now from this foundation of, of gospel of, of in the life of the Colossians uh, Paul models a life of prayer for us. He does. And this prayer uh, is filled with thanksgiving. Have a look in verse 3 with me where Paul prays again. We always thank God Paul says, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. What does Paul do here? He always thanks God. Why does Paul do that? Because Paul knows that it's God who's rescued him. Paul knows that it's God who has rescued the Colossians. Paul knows that it's God who's working through the gospel to rescue anybody. He thanks God for that because it's not Paul's doing or the Colossians doing. It's God working through the gospel. We aren't deserving of salvation, but God freely bestows it upon us through Christ by his spirit. And this is what Paul thanks God for in and amongst as he hears about the Colossians and what's happening there. It's a it's the gospel fruit of the of faith, love and hope. Look in verses 4 and 5 with me where Paul talks about this fruit that's being born here in the life of the Colossians. He says this, "Since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you, in heaven. This follows on from verse 3 where he's thanking God, but now he says why he's thanking God. It's this, Paul hears of a true faith in Christ. He says there, of your faith in Christ Jesus. Paul hears of a genuine love for each other in the Colossian church. And Paul hears again of a hope that they have laid up in heaven. It's a hope that they are experiencing right now. <clears throat> These are all the genuine fruits of, of gospel conversion and gospel transformation, faith, love and hope. You'll see that repeated a number of times through Scripture. When that is operating genuinely in people, faith in Christ, love for each other, hope in eternity, they are the genuine gospel fruits of gospel transformation taking place in our lives. And this is what the Holy Spirit works in us when we see the wonder and the beauty of Jesus. We are then being restored, as it were, back to our original humanity to love and adore and glorify God, our Creator, uh, through the person of Jesus Christ. This is exactly what God has intended for us, to worship Him in that way. This uh, faith, love and hope also is a powerful witness into the community around about us. In fact, it's, it's something demonstrating a changed people. We are a people of true faith, true love and a people of true hope. And this is a community that I believe, firmly believe actually, that the community surrounding about us will be attracted to and drawn to. And I think inwardly the desires of the outer community would want to see true faith, true love and true hope. And maybe that's you today. You may have joined us for the first time here at Exchange Church and we are stoked if you have done that. We are gladly welcome all people to be part of us at Exchange because we want to tell you about Jesus Christ And this community that he's building that is built on faith, love and hope. So Paul is thankful here for God's work in graciously bringing this about, graciously bringing this about. Now, thankfulness, I want us to stop and just think for a moment here about thankfulness. It's a very liberating and powerful thing to build into our lives, particularly gospel thankfulness. What does thankfulness do for us? What does it do? Here's what it do. Here's what it does. It helps us to refocus our lives again on what's been done to us or been given to us, done for us or given to us. It helps us when we are thankful to appreciate more deeply what we have. It really does. Sometimes, sometimes we are prone to focus on all the despair of life. Think about all the negativity of life. Think about all the the, the difficult things we have in life. Sometimes we're prone to do that and think about the things we haven't got. And when that's the case, when we think about all the despair and negativity of life, we can actually lose sight of what God has done for us or what God has given us. And when we think about what God has given us, when we begin to refocus upon those things, it helps us then to begin to be thankful for what He's done. It refocuses our minds when we begin to look for the things that we can be thankful for in God's life. The Holy Spirit, as it were, works in our mind through thankfulness, a growing picture here of God's generosity and God's faithfulness towards you and me. It might look like this. I thank you, God, that although I've been stood down from work, which is a difficult thing, the government has provided me with the JobKeeper subsidy. I thank you, God, for meeting my needs through what the government has provided today. You can either focus on being stood down or you can focus on the thankfulness that the government is providing something for me in the meantime. And that then focus actually helps us to get a bigger picture of who God is. It's called gospel thankfulness. And this is exactly what Paul is modelling here as he prays. It's gospel thankfulness for what God is doing through prayer to the Colossians and us as well. Now, Paul doesn't stop here with thankfulness for gospel fruit in his prayers. He is thankful for that, but he doesn't stop there with that for the Colossians. He's actually got other things in mind as well. Paul loves the Colossians, and his desire is to see them keep growing in the gospel as well, to bear more and more fruit, as it were. So Paul prays further for the Colossians. And it's here, I believe, that Paul sets us a great example of what to pray for, for others when we're bringing them to mind for prayer. Uh, Let's read again in verse 9 and see what Paul says here. And so, from the day we heard, he heard about the good news in Colossae, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In case you haven't seen it yet, Paul loves to pray. Uh, He's discovered the power and grace that God communicates through prayer as we pray to God and as we pray to each other and for each other more so. Uh, Paul is regularly, he says, without ceasing or have not ceased to pray for you. Regularly praying for the Colossians. So don't underestimate the ministry of prayer available to every believer. You don't have to go to Bible college to learn how to pray. You can simply open up your heart and be thankful towards God and pray to him on behalf of others. It's a great ministry to be in. And that's why we're gathering at 5pm this afternoon. So please, please join with us. So what is Paul praying for? Paul is asking God that the Colossians here in verse 9 will be filled with the knowledge of God. Filled with the knowledge of God. Paul's saying, I want you to grow in God. I want you to grow in His knowledge. I want you to grow in the knowledge of His will and what God requires of us. I want you to grow in understanding who God is. Why? Because right understanding about God leads us into right thinking about God. And right thinking about God leads us into spiritual maturity and gospel growth as we apply that right thinking to our lives. If we get our thinking right, we are then building the right foundations in our lives about the gospel. If we get our thinking right, we're building the right foundations in our lives about the gospel. If we have the wrong thinking about God, then we're, we're going to build faulty foundations about the gospel in our lives. So Paul's praying, grow in the knowledge of God, Go, grow in the will of God and what he requires of us. The next thing Paul prays for is this, it's right living. Look in verse 10. So, so verse 10 says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit... "...in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God." Hence, increasing in the knowledge of God again. This is a natural flow, if you really think about it. If you stop and think here, what Paul's saying, it's a natural flow. If we get our thinking right through growing our understanding of who God is and what He requires of us, if we get that right, this should naturally flow into living a right life. Right living. Holy living. Right thinking leads to right living as we apply that to our lives. Paul is praying that the Colossians will walk or live in a manner worthy of the Lord. Paul desires to see them do this or live in gospel transformation. That is God's desire and will for us is to be transformed into the image of Christ, to grow in holy living, to not live the way we used to live, but to live in a new way of joy, peace and freedom in Christ the last thing Paul prays here for these guys, really important, and it flows on from these other things as well, is gospel power. Look in verse 11 as we see that. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that really wonderful? That that prayer flows in one sentence, as it were. Paul's praying for the knowledge of God. Paul's praying for right living to come out of that, and now he's praying for for the power to live that way. Paul wants the Colossians to know and feel God's power. Paul wants us to know that God's glorious might is available for us to give us the power to live in a way that pleases God and brings glory to His name. He wants us to feel that power as it were working through us. Paul is praying that we know that And feel that. Not only know it, but feel it as well. It's a personal relationship. We have with Christ. We feel His presence working in and through us. And look there at this last part of verse 11 and there and see what this power is for. It's there. It says this, For all endurance and patience with joy. The last part of verse 11 there. For all endurance and patience with joy. A large part of the Christian life is endurance with patience. There's a lot of challenge in the Christian life. There's a lot of endurance required. To live out the gospel in a challenging world requires endurance and it requires patience. You see, when temptation comes my way or the past comes back to haunt me again with my past hurts, I need gospel endurance to overcome that temptation or my past. You see, if I'm tempted, if I'm tempted to click on that pornographic site on the computer when no one else is around and nobody's looking and nobody's seeing what I'm doing, when I'm tempted to do that, I need gospel power to endure. Or if I'm haunted by my, my sinful past or the hurts of my past and they come back and they try and drag me down to the pits of despair again, I need gospel power to endure patiently through that. And God graciously gives that. And this is the wonderful thing here about this power that God freely gives us through prayer. As we endure with patience and overcome our challenges, what does it say there? It fills our heart with gospel joy. It fills our heart with gospel joy. We feel and we know that. God's presence working within us. And that creates joy in Christ as we see the gospel working deeply down amongst us. Now, these things, I believe, are really important as we consider the context of the Colossians and really important why Paul is praying for them this way. Because if we think about it, what are they up against here at Colossae? In this city where they've established the church, what are the challenges they're facing that we'll see them in this book as well? Some of the challenges are false teachers. We're going to see that in the later chapters. Also, they're living amongst a challenging culture. So, a couple of big things happening here. So, as we think about this prayer, I want us to notice this what Paul doesn't pray for them. What Paul doesn't pray for the Colossians here at this time. Paul doesn't pray. He doesn't pray that the false teachers will go away and they won't be troubled by them anymore. Paul doesn't pray that the culture or community won't challenge them anymore about their Christian living. It's really important to note that, I believe. You see, Paul doesn't pray about those things because he knows we live in a world where there will always be false teachers. He knows we will live in a world where the culture will always, to some extent, resist God. You see, even if these false teachers were prayed away, you know what happened? someone else would probably come in and take their place. Some other false teachers would move in. And even if we lived in a world uh, that that somehow um, didn't, uh, as it were, resist uh, Christ, actually Paul knows that will never happen. The world will always, to some extent resist Jesus Christ and his ways. It will always lie under the dominion of Satan and sin in some particular way. So Paul doesn't pray for the false teachers to go away and Paul doesn't pray that somehow we would be, be removed from the culture that is challenging us. That's not what Paul prays for. Instead, Paul does something far better for the Colossians. He prays for gospel growth and, and spiritual maturity. Gospel growth through spiritual maturity. Now you might ask, why is this far better? Well let me explain here. This is far better because Paul knows that as the Colossians grow in the gospel and the Holy Spirit, as it were, deepens their spiritual maturity, they'll be equipped to discern false teachers and not fall victim to their false teaching. When they know the true and they're growing in the true, when they see the false, they'll recognize the false straight away and they won't be drawn to the false. Spiritual maturity and gospel growth helps them to do that. And Paul knows that as they grow in the knowledge of God, also that will help them in the strength and power that God gives as well, that they can do this in a community that won't always be welcomed by Jesus, as it were. Or oh, sorry, that the community won't always welcome Jesus. If they grow in spiritual maturity and gospel growth, they can still live amongst a community that doesn't welcome the gospel as such. And that then will enable the Colossians to endure with all patience. And not only with patience, because the result of that will be gospel joy as they're growing in this strength and maturity in Him. This is why Paul prays this way. This is the prayer to pray for endurance, To overcome this world where we live, they'll actually sense God's power working through them as they overcome. This is how they will overcome the challenge they face in the church and the community. Okay, let me stop here and ask this: as we think about this and apply this to our hearts today, how do you pray for others? What do your prayers look like for your family and friends? If we've got unsaved family members or unsaved friends, the primary prayer we should be praying is for their salvation. The primary prayer we should be praying for is their salvation, that they will be delivered from the domain of darkness. We should be praying for them that they would know the forgiving uh, power of the gospel to wash their sins away. This should be our first and continual prayer for them. So how should I pray for my unsaved family? Uh, friends and family during COVID-19. Pray first, pray first that God would use this unsettling time that we're all in to unsettle their hearts about life. Hopefully this unsettling would begin to say, what's going on? Who's out there? Who can rescue me from this broken world that I'm living in? Hopefully the Spirit then would be, we'd be praying that the Spirit would open up their blind eyes to a holy and gracious God for our unsaved family and friends. But you might say, but Todd, they're about to lose their house. They're about to lose their job. Can I not pray about that? Sure you can. And absolutely, you should pray about that. It's a right thing to pray for But someone's going to lose their house or lose their job. But I wouldn't say incorporate their home safety or their job security in the prayer of salvation for these ones, that their blind eyes would be opened up to Jesus. Primarily, we were praying for salvation, but we're incorporating that with their current situations and circumstances as well. What about praying for my uh, believing family and friends? They're already brothers and sisters in Christ. How should I pray for them? Because they've just lost their job in in COVID-19 as well and and all the fallout from that. How should I pray for them in that situation? Well, I believe we pray the same way that Paul has prayed for the Colossians could be this, Lord, please grow the faith of my friend as they go through this testing, trying and tense time. As they they struggle with uncertainty and doubt, Lord, please deepen the faith of my brother in Christ or my sister in Christ in your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord, that they would not be overcome by these challenges, but they would be, as it were, opened up to your goodness and faithfulness in life. Please let them know your power in the face of weakness that they are experiencing in this life. And that, Lord, please, please, would you save their job? Could you keep them employed? Could you meet their needs? Please let this time be a witness of your peace and your glory working in their lives. It's a great way to pray for saved brothers and sisters in Christ, family or friends. Pray that they'll grow in their faith, grow in their spiritual maturity, just the same way Paul prayed for the Colossians. Is that how you pray in these types of situations? Or are you praying wholly and solely for God to remove these trials and challenges from our family and friends? Are you praying for just their physical safety and physical comfort, forgetting about their spiritual growth and maturity? I fear often we can fall into this trap. Because the um, challenges are so real and so vivid and just so there, that we can pray about removing all those things away but we forget about spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. Sure, we pray about the current challenges, but we primarily pray incorporating this, we want our brothers and sisters, our family and friends, to grow in their faith and that God would use these trying times here to deepen their faith. And this is what Paul is praying here for the Colossians. He's praying for gospel strength to come into their hearts and lives, gospel understanding of who God is, that that would produce faith, love and hope. And these things combine together to deepen us in Christ and to help us to overcome in this world by enduring patiently and with joy. Let me pray. Father, I uh, thank you now that we can come and pray. God, thank you for this letter to Colossians. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing uh, in the Colossian church and in the life of Exchange Church as we come here today and we read this letter. I pray, God, let our hearts be filled with thanksgiving for what you've done. Your Lord, your blessings are innumerable. Each and every day there are thousands of things that we can thank you for. Please help us to see these things and redirect our focus, Lord, not on the negativity and the despair, but on thankfulness. Thankfulness for who you are and what you're doing. And then praying for others, Lord, praying for gospel growth in their hearts and in their lives. God, that you would enable them through knowing who you are and through the uh, strength that you give and through, Lord, giving them the power to live holy lives and right lives, that, Lord, they would endure with patience. And through that, Lord, they would experience your joy in seeing that power work in their lives. That, Lord, we would be a people who are not only connected to Jesus, but we are growing in Jesus as well. So, God, I thank you for that book of Colossians passage we've got today, and I pray let that uh, grow us in our prayers today. And Father, we ask that, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, if you have any questions about today's talk, we would love you again to uh, contact us. You can uh, uh, do that via email, info at au, and uh, I would gladly be able to connect with you. and.